Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. William has been the sensible heir to the throne and Harry's been the naughty one. In fact, his mum once said to him, you know, you can be as naughty as you like, just don't get caught. Camilla's never been regarded as a, as a true beauty. She was always regarded as really sexy. Princess Anne, who, you know, we always think is the, the grumpy one with the bun, which she pretty much is, she had an affair with Andrew Parker Bowles. Hi there, and welcome to New Idea Royals. It's the only podcast that reveals what really goes on behind palace doors. I'm Zoe Burrell, and coming up today, we are looking at Harry and William's teenage years, their recent strained relationship, as well as the Duchess of Cornwall's racy past. Joining us today to discuss it all is royal expert and commentator Angela Mollard. Hi, Zoe. Hi, Angela. How are you doing? Good. Well, today we're looking at how William and Harry have changed over the years. How would you characterise the way in which they've evolved? Yeah, lots of people make a lot of this about the fact that William and Harry have sort of, you know, matured and become more regal and that sort of thing. Hmm. I think they're not just having a teenagehood like <laughs> every other boy, except they, the poor things, had to deal with their mum's death in the middle of it. Of you know, course. 15 and 12, they were really young. Um, they did go off the rails. Their primary parent... Um, had been killed in a car accident. I mean, it and was of course that's so difficult for anyone to deal with. Absolutely, and, and Prince Charles had had taken the back seat in parenting. Their mum had been the number one when they were with Charles. They had nannies. I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't a great parent, but he wasn't as affectionate and hands on as she was. Look, I think that you know how we characterise their lives is, and it's always been thus that William has been the sensible uh, heir to the throne, and Harry's been the naughty one. In fact, his mum once said to him. Um, you know, you can be as naughty as you like, just don't get caught. Of, of, of course, <laughs> although he, he has been times, <laughs> he's been caught multiple times. So he was caught smoking um, cannabis and boozing at Highgrove, and um, there were fights at the local pubs in a, in Wiltshire where Highgrove. Um, is and, and apparently when this happened, Prince Charles sort of went nuts and um, marched him down to a rehab centre to see what oh, would be. Gosh. I know, yeah, heavy-handed <laughs> to see what would happen. You know, if he if he pursued um, the drinking and drug lifestyle. Look, the fact was that Harry was really struggling, and we know mm. that subsequently he's talked um, at length and very openly and really generously in fact, about his bereavement and, and his sadness following his mum's death. I mean, he said, you know, lots of things happened in those years. He was um, snapped and naked playing um, billiards in Las Vegas. Yes, he wore the we Nazi. Yes, those photos. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they are what normal teenagers will do. Yeah. They just, you know, took on greater portent because they were, you know, I think fifth in line to the throne now. I can't remember what he was back then. But, of course, that was terribly um, worrisome uh, to those around him. But, you know, he's come good. He's talked about it. I think the relationship between the brothers, I think it's great that they always ha have had each other. They've always had mm. someone that understands what they've been through. And that's been pivotal in them getting through it. I think setting up the Heads Together charity has been um, instrumental in them coming uh, you know, finding some purpose from their mother's death. Yeah. I mean, when thing, bad things happen, 
we we can't change what's happened, but we can change how we respond to them. And their response after many years of, of, of heartache and grief was to actually do something um, powerful. And they have been powerful. It's incredibly authentic. We know from the um, Harry's recent uh, tour down under that a lot of the um, engagements he had worked around mental health um, and focused on that. And so he's very purposeful. It's very relevant. Um, and he's and you know I think I think they're doing really well. As to their relationship right now, you know, yes, how much of it's... Yes, lots of the reports of it being rather strained. And look, I don't think that it, it, it would naturally be. William's a conservative. Um, you know, he married his his university sweetheart. Mm. He's He has the monarchy on his shoulders. Yes. Harry was always a, li- a little bit more renegade and, and risk-taking. And he was always going to choose someone... You know, who wasn't predictable, and um, which is not to say that the Duchess of Cambridge is in any way predictable, but I think they, they're different people, first child, second child, you know, oldest, youngest, they're always going to be different. Um, I think that they probably have a greater closeness um, and will have an ongoing closeness than is currently being suggested. Of course, like any family, they'll have run-ins and disagreements and of course. and question each other's choices. But we've, I think we start, have to start seeing that as, as normal, not... Um, not some sort of great scandal. Yeah, and talking about their decisions, what do you think William genuinely feels about his brother's choices? I think he feels, I I, I can't speak for William, but I would imagine that he feels very protective, very caring. Um, He himself spent many years um, in a relationship with Catherine before they became engaged. He even stepped away from that relationship to be sure that that was something that he wanted. Mm. I think he would only want the same stability for his brother. In the face of great instability, their parents divorcing, their mother dying, I think William very much wants what he has with his wife. And I think any concern that William had would be driven by that, not because he disliked someone or not because he thought he uh, Harry had chosen poorly. And I don't think he would think that for a minute. I think that he would just be cautious. Also, Harry's been quite impromptu about it. You know, they haven't been together that long, Meghan yes, and Harry. it was a bit of a whirlwind. It has been a whirlwind. We do mm. know that after three, you know, it takes three years for relationships to move out of the limerence phase, which is the infatuation phase. And, you know, I think William's a sensible man and, you know, perhaps sometimes too sensible. But um, look, I think it's, I, I think that they are closer than we're led to believe. Yes, and it is a very hard position living your life in the public like that. Yes, and also having to have different roles as well. I mean, you can't, Harry cannot be doing what William's doing. William can't exactly. be doing what Harry's doing. So they have to have a different directions and different focuses. I wonder sometimes if William doesn't feel that actually Harry doing his environmentalism and going to Africa and being involved with um, adventure groups and that sort of thing, whether he doesn't actually have the better gig. I certainly think he does. Yes, I know. There's a little bit more freedom for yeah. Harry there. Yeah, there? less pressing the flesh and nodding and handshaking and more actually getting out and adventuring. But, you know, that's going to change now that he has a, he's about to have a family. Yeah, and speaking of the two wives, much has been made of the differences between Kate and Meghan, but how are they the same? Yeah, so I'm, I wanted to talk about this today because I think we always polarise. We, you know, mm. we, we want to put them up and pit them against each other. They're actually 
in many ways quite similar. They're both at a similar age. They're both very strong and confident in their respective ways. I think they've got a really strong sense of themselves. And while those selves are two different people, I'd say that Kate is obviously middle class, English, grew up and went to a private school, met her um, husband-to-be at university. Megan's had a working career, that sort of thing. I think there's a solidity and um, and a um, and not it's not necessarily an ambition, but a strength in both of them. Different yes. sorts of strength. I think they'll both be beautiful. Mo- you know, we know that Kate's a wonderful mother. I think Megan will be a wonderful mother as well. And I think actually, when Megan has a child, I think that will bring her and Kate closer together because I think that you know sometimes when you have a children it makes all the irrelevant stuff melt away and I think that they will she will I like to think she will lean on her sister-in-law and and, great to have her so close by to ask advice from I don't think they'll be having handy down (laughs) hand-me-downs from the nursery though I think it was um Beatrix Potter themed in the um Cambridge's home but I think it'll be lots of pale greys and (laughs) Swedish wood and you know vegan paint in in Megan's um Megan's nursery (laughs) very stylish nursery uh and of course, we know that both William and Harry like to involve their mother a lot by gifting Megan and Kate a lot of jewellery. Mm. In what way do you think Diana's legacy lives on through her sons? Mm. I think she did an amazing job as a mum in showing those boys what really matters. I mean, she was really the first person that took her children to meet homeless people, um, to meet AIDS sufferers. She gave them an insight into the grit of life, not just the gilded life. Mm. And I think that that's um, stood them in terrific stead. Uh, They were 15 and 12, as I say, when they lost their mum. But I think we know, as Kate herself said recently, that the the first three years of a child's life are the the most important in terms of setting down patterns and behaviours. I think Diana was incredibly attentive and that she really wanted her children to have a social conscience and that they do, both of them, have that. And that is really their legacy. And and all these years after her death, I I hope they occasionally reflect on the fact and I hope those around them are enormously proud of the fact that they are carrying that legacy. Much has been made of the antipathy between the the royal family and the Spencer family, the Diana's blood family. But in lots of ways what she has generated in her sons is is going to secure the monarchy for a very long time. Yes, and they're both beautiful boys. And of course, speaking of Diana, how is Camilla now regarded 22 years after Diana's death? Well, notably, she's not called the Princess of Wales, even though she could be. She's obviously the Duchess of Cornwall. Look, I think people are softening. They're realising that the work that she's doing and the um, authenticity with which she goes about her life, she's been a tremendous support to Prince Charles, who we know will be the heir to the throne. Look, when I lived in London in the 90s, the um, antagonism towards her, I mean, she was pelted with bread rolls in a supermarket car park. It was, you know, she she was, you know, villain in chief Mm. in in the UK. That softened. I think, you know, they've been very careful, the two of them, to to progress quietly um, and with dignity. And um, so I I think people are softening towards her. But interestingly, you know, we don't really look into her past, but it's actually quite interesting. Yes, it has sort of come out that she had quite a racy past. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, look, it's 
funny because Camilla's been, never been regarded as a as a true beauty, but in that way that women who have sort of chutzpah and and a, a, a sort of strong sense of themselves, she was always regarded as really sexy. And I think she's sort of a bit what they call in England jolly hockey sticks, which means that you sort of oh. get to, you know you kind of throw yourself into anything. You ride horses, you play sport, you you're a good company. I mean, she smokes cigarettes. She loved a gin and tonic. She loves a gin and tonic. She's a gut. <laughs> Don't blame her for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Um, <laughs> Um, so I think the fact is that she, you know, she is, she was gutsy. She was incredibly, um, she had boyfriends from an early age. She uh, lost a virginity apparently at 19 um, to an older Tony. And I mean, they were all very well to do. Um, she loved cocktail parties, loved to dance. Apparently she was terrific fun. Her lovers have been chronicled in, in many a uh, biography. But um, interestingly, it was when she met Charles wasn't really, you know, the sort of type that she'd been with. But when they met um uh, I think uh, he was he was quite coy, but clearly smitten with her. But then, of course, he went away on mm. on military service, and um, she became a, you know uh, engaged to her husband, soon to be husband Andrew Parker Bowles. I mean, he was um, she was apparently besotted with him, but um, obviously, as we know, the marriage founded. He was very well connected, um, and that was sort of in the era of swinging London. So we know that Andrew Parker Bowles, and certainly when I was in London, it was well known that Andrew. Parker Bowles had uh, multiple lovers. But interestingly, as when Charles and Camilla reignited their relationship um, some years into his marriage with Diana, he was forever known as the man who laid his wife down for the country. Um, yes. And uh, <laughs> you always felt sorry for Andrew Parker Bowles, more so because he actually went on to marry um, a lady called Rosemary Pittman and she subsequently died from cancer. So Very tragic. Pretty unhappy mm. life, but a very well-connected man and and um, very charming. But interestingly, though, he has a connection to the royal family before Camilla, didn't he? Well, this is really funny, and I actually didn't know about this until recently. It's intrigue, intrigue. Um, <laughs> Princess Anne, who you know we always think is the one with the the grumpy one with the bun, which she pretty much is. Um, she had an affair with Andrew Parker Bowles. So there was a little Gosh. royal triangle going on. And um, um, look, it was well before she married her first husband. We know she's been married t- twice now, married to Timothy Lawrence. But the fact is that Andrew Parker Bowles, Princess Anne, had an affair many, many years ago. And they've remained friends. They're both obsessed with horses. And when they get together at things like Royal Ascot and um, similar horsing events, they get on really well. And, you know, there's always been speculation as whether they would ever... Um, uh, reheat their relationship. Oh, of course, she's married. A scandal, wouldn't it? Well, it would <laughs> considering she's married. Um, but anyway, it's an it's an interesting one. Uh, look, uh, the thing about the aristocracy in Britain is that they're all sort of interconnected. They're, you know, they, they if one hasn't slept with the other, they've slept with another one. So um, yeah, but interesting and intriguing. Uh, Princess Anne and Andrew Parker Bowles. So it's really like a instead of being a royal triangle, it's more like a royal square when you think about Isn't it. Isn't it with Charles and Camilla? Yeah. <laughs> interesting. So, of course, we know it worked out for Charles and Camilla, but what do you see ahead for them in the future? Look, um, they're 70 and 71, respectively. Um, I remember when Charles turned 50 and... um you know, it was. It felt like he was. You know, the years were passing. Here he is, seventy, twenty years later, and he he still hasn't uh, sent to the throne. I think that they're having years of tremendous stability. A friend of mine in the UK has uh, someone I know had, had them for dinner, um, and said that they're terrific fun. They actually really engaging couple. They've got great conversation. You know, Prince Charles is often presented as quite pompous, and I'm sure he is. I mean, you can't grow up in 
the way he grew up with, mm. you know, really governesses and 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 private. It's a very different it's, world. It is. He didn't, <laughs> you know, didn't get that affection from his father. But I think that you know they're very as they grow older, they they become more secure in themselves. And also, it's it's played out that some of the interests that Charles had, environmentalism, um, organic um, produce, that sort of thing. I mean, mm. he had the Dutchery Originals business for many years before organic became a cool thing to do. He's actually quite on trend, and and it doesn't spring from. Um, wanting to be sort of a, a thought leader or a, a you know sort of a, at the top of his game it's actually a genuine interest he's genuinely interested in the environment and and that sort of thing um i think that i'm glad he has her to be honest i think if you're if this is going if you get one life the fact that he loves her and has always loved her i think it's actually rather touching that they've they've mm-hmm. you know that they have in a time when Princess Margaret couldn't marry the, ta- the the husband she wanted to marry, that that we've evolved significantly to accept that our lives are long, and that while our love lives may founder, that you know it's been okay for him to to actually get together with the love of his life. Yeah. So, and they do seem genuinely happy. Do. And you know, if you're going to be yeah. doing that job, being the monarch, king or queen, you absolutely jolly need somebody by your side. And I think she's terrific. Yes. Well, on that note, thank you so much for joining us today, Ange. Thanks, Zoe. And thank you to everyone for listening. For more on the Royals, please go to newidea.com.au and our Facebook page, New Idea Royals. And of course, don't forget to check out our latest Royal Mini Mag in the current issue of New Idea. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.